The college football playoff committee is being very ridiculous right now. Nobody should worry about it just yet, though. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded Conference of Champions, like, comment, and subscribe, rate, and, re- and review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. I appreciate everybody out there. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet, no matter what it is. That's $150. Bucks. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So the college football committees or the college football playoff committees rankings came out. And Washington, the top six have remained unchanged. Washington's at number five. Oregon's at number six. This is after Washington went on the road and beat then 20th ranked USC by 10 points. Florida State, meanwhile, went on the road as well and by seven more points than 10, that's 17, beat Pitt. So I paused there to let you think about that and just ponder the the, the notion that Florida State should be ahead of Washington. There's no world in which that actually makes any sense. It doesn't. It it does not make sense. Let me read you Florida State's schedule so far. They have wins over LSU. Both these teams are unbeaten at 9-0. LSU at number five. At the time, LSU, though, has three losses since then. So LSU, 45-24. Winning by 21 points, that's a very good win. Neutral side game. Southern Miss, okay, whatever, at Boston College. The score of that game was 31-29. Anyone who brings up with Washington, well, look at how they played against Arizona State and Stanford. I present to you the behemoth that is Boston College. Florida State needed overtime to beat Clemson. That's a mediocre football team at best. Virginia Tech 39-17, solid. Syracuse 41-3, that's really good. Duke 38-20, that might be their best win of the year. Probably LSU 1, Duke 2. Wake Forest and Pitt, I don't care about either of those. Washington, on the other hand, uh, beat the cover off Boise State and Tulsa. No one really cares about that. Michigan State rebuilding team. What should you do to them? 41-7 on the road. Cal 59-32. Arizona, oh, by the way, that's that's a ranked win now. Wasn't at the time, but look at how Arizona's playing right now. And it all kind of started when they only lost 31-24 to Washington. Arizona's a good football team. They have beaten two ranked teams in consecutive weeks in that stadium. Washington went in there and got a win. They should be getting more credit for that, the same way that Florida State should be getting less credit for their win against LSU as time goes on. Oregon, a top 10 win, something Florida State doesn't have, by the way. Arizona State and Stanford, yep, those are ugly. And then a a top 20 win at the time over USC 52-42 on the road. You can't look at those schedules and tell me, yeah, I think Florida State is better than, but has got the better resume than Washington. No. No, they don't. They they just don't. The difference is Washington played a couple of poor games 
and won those games, which is what great teams do. They find ways to win when they're not playing particularly well. Tiger Woods didn't always drive it accurately, but he'd make putts and save par and make timely birdies. That's kind of what you do. Not saying Washington's Tiger Woods, just as an example there. But the last couple of weeks, Florida State has been up on lower-level teams in uh, the ACC. Uh, need I remind you that Pitt is, uh, wait for it, a startling one and four in conference play. Oh, wow. That's a good win. Wake Forest is one and five. Mm, good win there. Syracuse, by the way, is terrible after another four no start. I don't know how Syracuse does that every year, but they do. So I think the committee is being ridiculous here because the best win for, <clears throat> excuse me, been having some throat issues. Goodness, T solves all. The best win for either of these teams in the context of the entire season is Washington over Oregon. Why? Because that's the highest ranked team that either team has beat. Florida State beat a then-ranked Duke by double digits. Washington beat a then-ranked USC by double digits. Those two wins should cancel each other out. So then you're comparing. When you look at the rest of their wins, what's a better win? Don't forget that Washington's got the Arizona game in there. But what's a better win? LSU on a neutral site or Oregon at home? The answer is Oregon at home because Oregon is ranked a lot higher than LSU. So I think the committee is being ridiculous there. Now, the reason I don't think Washington fans need to worry about it at this point in time is because there is not a world in which an undefeated Pac-12 champion gets left out of the four-team playoff. Could a one-team get left out? Possibly, because it is crowded. It is really, really crowded. I think what's more likely than not a one-loss Pac-12 champion gets in, whether that's Washington or Oregon. But an undefeated team from a Power 5 conference, especially this Pac-12, where five teams are ranked and six have been ranked consistently throughout the year, and seven or eight were ranked at one point in time back in the day when Washington State hadn't imploded yet, Washington will get in. So that's the upside there for Husky fans is, eh, if you win the rest of your games, you're fine because one of Michigan and Ohio State are going to lose. Now, the trouble, here's the trouble. If it's Ohio State, how far will they fall? They should fall below Washington because Ohio State's win over Notre Dame, really good at the time, it's a good win. It's no longer a great win, but it's a good win. They struggled, they struggled with Rutgers, who are not in the top 25. Maybe you can argue they should be. Guess what? They're not. Whoever loses the Michigan-Ohio State game should fall below either a one-loss or certainly an undefeated Pac-12 champion. Full stop. Full stop, that should happen. I don't care if it's Ohio State. I don't care if it's Michigan. Ohio State, by the way, do they pass the eye test at all? I don't know how much that factors in. Probably not a whole heck of a lot to the committee. They value quality wins and margin of victory and top 25 wins and everything like that, and eventually conference championships. But when I just watch all these teams play, we have a, a top 25 poll here at the Locked On Network. I did not have uh, Michigan in my top four. I did have Ohio State because of their schedule. Michigan's schedule is a joke. I, I can't put Michigan in the top four until they beat Penn State. Michigan has a horrendous schedule. There's actually no real argument for Michigan being ranked ahead of Washington. Well, Michigan's beaten everybody bad, and Washington struggled with those two teams. Do we value quality wins or wins against average teams that aren't close? Which which one is more important? 
Which one should be more important in the college football world? The answer is big wins against really good teams. If Michigan beats Penn State, okay, you can look at their body of work and say it's more impressive than Washington's because of the ASU and Stanford games and they beat Penn State on the road. I can get behind that. Right now, though, Michigan has done nothing and does not have a win that comes even remotely close to Washington's three best wins. It's not close. They are beating up on the Rutgers, Indianas, and Purdue's of the world. I mean, they're they're playing the, the bottom dwellers of the conference. And their non-conference schedule is an absolute joke. They don't have a power five team in it. Putting them above Washington. Completely ridiculous. So the committee's being absurd. It'll all play itself out. It does give you some pause, though, as to what happens if, let's say, Washington loses to Oregon State, wins the rest of them. <laughs> Excuse me. The Huskies are struggling to get the respect they deserve as an unbeaten with a win over a top 10 team. What do you think could happen if Washington is a one-loss Power 5 champion? And what if that second win doesn't materialize over Oregon? What if the Ducks lose and Washington plays Oregon State in the Pac-12 title game? You think that's going to help? I'm just saying. Things to watch for in the coming weeks. So the rankings don't matter entirely. They do matter a bit with the way this crowded field is materializing. It's going to be a fun final weeks, uh, final three weeks of the college football regular season. Jake Dickert's not having a fun time up in Pullman. And he had some comments that, shall we say, I found interesting. A lot of things are interesting over at Prize Picks, which is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. That's all it is. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. If you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can do so in Community Plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. With basketball season here, you can do combo projections like LeBron James and Travis Kelsey over 10 and a half receptions and three-pointers combined. There's all sorts of fun things you can do, which is why you should go to Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash college. Use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash college. Use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I am not in the greatest cardio shape in the world. And I played pickup basketball earlier today. It's not going well. It's not going well. But it's still going worse up in Pullman right now for Jake Dickert and company. So the Cougs have lost five games in a row. Did I think they would end the year 10-2 and after a 4-0 start? Nope. I did not. I thought their ceiling before the year was 9-3. and But I thought their floor... Was five and seven. And after a four and start, seems like the floor, it seemed past tense, like the floor had been shifted to hey, this feels like seven wins at a minimum, right? Seven wins is now the maximum, which is not a fun place to be for Washington State. And things are getting, shall we say, slightly worse. By the way, Oregon came in at number six, Oregon State 12, Utah 18, Arizona at 21. Uh, I mentioned that earlier. I do not have 
a problem with any of those rankings. I thought Utah should have gone up maybe a slot or two, but I don't majorly object because they got beat badly by Oregon the week prior. So Jake Dickert talking about NIL in a very open and honest fashion. I've long been a fan of Jake Dickert here on the show because throughout all of this realignment nonsense and craziness and such, he has been refreshingly honest and consistently honest when he steps to the podium. There's a term in the college sports world and the professional sports world as well. You've heard it before. It's called coach speak. Coach speak is saying something without actually saying anything of substance. You just give a standard answer. Don't ruffle feathers. Don't tell it like it actually is. Jake Dickert does not suffer from what we'll call CSS, coach speak syndrome. He doesn't have that. He's not some wild, you know, rooting, shooting cowboy or something like that. He's not Mike Leach style out there. Okay. He's not that blatantly honest, but clearly the guys up in Pullman are better listens to at the microphone than most and are more honest. And Jake Dickert stepped up to the microphone recently and was, and was asked about it during a weekly press conference. And he was asked about NIL. And he said very bluntly that Washington State right now does not have the resources to compete in the NIL world. He is not wrong. Now, is it a fantastic look to say, we need more NIL money when your team's lost five in a row? No, it's the same team that went 4-0, beat Oregon State and Wisconsin. Okay? This is on the coaching staff. They have not had adequate game plans week after week on both sides of the ball. You know, defense let them down against Arizona State. Offense let them down against Stanford. They have not been properly prepared. Washington's or uh, UCLA, their offense got absolutely worked. This is on the coaching staff. However, that does not mean that Jake Dickert is wrong. And he's going to the mic and speaking directly to donors, boosters, and people in the Pullman community and those who support Washington State athletics and football specifically saying, we don't have enough. And you know the reason that Washington State, one of them, that they've never been a consistent contender in the Pac-12, and they've elevated their program status to where being four and five in, you know, after climbing to number 13 in the country is a massive, massive disappointment, which it is. They've never been able to get to that conference contending level because they've never had a roster that can compete with the best teams in the conference. Okay, they had a good game plan, I thought, going into the Oregon game. They came out, they were playing well. Held the Ducks to a couple field goals on their opening possessions. Oregon missed one of them. Cam Ward got in the zone. They were throwing the ball all over the field against a good Oregon defense. They were prepared. You know what happened? Eventually, Oregon just out-talented them. Oregon just man-to-man at a lot of different positions was just better. And that can happen in Washington State, and it puts a ceiling on your program. Doesn't mean the floor shouldn't be higher than it is with the team they do have. You have an NFL-capable quarterback, good receivers. The offense should never put up seven points against a bad Stanford defense. That was absolutely pathetic. Defense played well. Offense did not. But – when he is talking about we don't have enough, he said we don't even have enough compared to Oregon State. You know, they've got 10 times what we have. And Arizona's got, you know, more, more than what we have and, and, and schools like that. And I don't even want to think about what USC and Oregon have got because it's not in the same ballpark. He's 100% right. He's 100% right. And every single action has got positives and negatives, 
right? I'm a huge fan of Parks and Rec. One of the recurring themes on that show or uh, bits on that show was Leslie Nope putting together a pros and cons list. Every action has pros and cons. There are pros to NIL. Absolutely. A kid getting some spending money who might not be super well off financially, but is able to, you know, kind of stabilize that situation for himself or just make some money, put it away, save, spend, have fun, do, you know, whatever, because he goes down to the local burger shop and, you know, has a burger named after him or something like that. And he gets a few thousand bucks, which is the most common form of NIL, by the way. I know that everyone likes to talk about, well, you know, these kids are just getting all this money. There are so few kids that are getting millions of dollars in college football. It's few and far between. What's attracting rosters on the whole, what's building rosters on the whole, in large part, are the kids who are able to get tens of thousands of dollars. That's what Jake Dickert is referring to there. I don't think he has the expectation that they can have, you know, a two to three million dollar NIL pool for their quarterbacks, the way that Oregon, USC, and Washington do, for instance. But going out there and stating a reality for your program that is a hindrance, that is an obstacle, I do not have a problem with that whatsoever. And I don't think it means at all that he's, you know, on the precipice of leaving. I think he's becoming, frankly, because of the way they've performed, a less attractive coaching candidate, though I think he's a good coach. And we've seen him win football games up there at Washington State. And I think he can do that. If they're in, you know, the Pac-2 Mountain West or whatever that situation ends up being. But I've got no problem with him stating that. And he also, again, was refreshingly honest in saying, yeah, in a few weeks, once the transfer portal opens on December 4th, he's saying there's going to be a feeding frenzy. People are going to be coming after our players and we don't have the resources to compete. What do you want the guy to do? You can't make a more definitive claim. If anything, it's indicative he's not going anywhere. And then what he said to John Canzano weeks ago on his radio show that he hasn't talked with anybody, he's not talking with anybody, and he's staying in Washington State. If anything, it's indicative that he is actually committed to the Cougs and not going anywhere, that he's making that sort of of plea, that he's going to the community and and saying, guys, we need more. We, We need more. It's got to be at a higher level for us to compete here. Because if he didn't care, I don't think he would talk about that. I think he'd give you a coach speak answer. But he gave you that sort of answer. And I think that's a good sign for the Cougs that he's sticking around. It's not a good sign, though, that he's openly stating we're not even up to Oregon State's level. Oregon State lost a kid to LSU this year, Omar Spates, mostly because of NIL. Sure, there may, maybe there's an SEC allure, but yeah, NIL is more of a factor there. They got deeper pockets down at LSU than Oregon State. I don't think I'm breaking any news there. And Oregon State is not one of the richer schools, generally speaking, in college football. And they're certainly not in the NIL space. And Jake Dickert saying we're behind them. Then, yeah, people around the Washington State program have to organize better, have to fundraise better, have to be willing to organize collectives the way everybody else is. You don't have to love it all the time. You have to recognize, though, what the modern world of college football is. And if you want to compete, at the highest level possible for your program, you do have to have that. I understand the optics of it aren't great to come out. And look, the timing isn't ideal, but he's asked the question about it, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he brought it up authentically. I think he was asked the question. He said, well, this is the situation. This is what we've got. And I appreciate coaches who will tell it like it is, 
give you refreshingly honest answers. And that was an honest answer and an accurate one. And I hope the situation improves in Washington State because if they're able to retain as much talent as possible and bring in some more this offseason, they can be a competitive program going forward. We, 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 we've seen that time and time again. Six games this weekend in the Pac-12. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's half a dozen. The biggest storyline in each game is something I'm going to tell you about after FanDuel. Because this NFL season, you can score early with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins, whoever it is. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. A lot of big spreads this week in the Pac-12. A lot of them. The closest point spread is Washington State at Cal, the least interesting game of the weekend. But that's the closest spread that you've got. So you should go join FanDuel if you haven't already. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, before I get to the biggest storylines, mailback question uh, that came in. Hey, Spencer, if the Huskies go undefeated in the regular season, should they be ranked number one in the college football playoff going into the Pac-12 championship game? Having five top 25, top 25 wins under their belt, who would have a better resume, especially if Oregon keeps winning? So 12-0, and 0, you'd add wins over Utah and Oregon State. Those would be top 25 wins and would remain as much. You know, I think Utah would probably be uh, the one of the better three loss teams in the country. They, they'd stay in the top 25, assuming they don't uh, stumble elsewhere on their schedule. They could lose to Arizona, but that's also a good team. I could see Utah being number 25 at eight and four. So add a couple top 25 wins. Ohio State is the answer because if Ohio State beats Michigan, they'd have a win over Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. That's a pretty darn good resume. That's That's a pretty darn good resume. Michigan, I don't think would have a better resume if they were undefeated. I, I think Washington, and I voted this way in my uh, in my in my vote for the top twenty-five poll here at the Locked On Network. I do not believe that Michigan currently has a better resume than Washington because they don't. They don't have a win that matches Oregon. They could get it this week against Penn State, hundred percent. But number one, no, I don't think they could jump Ohio State. And if Michigan beats Ohio State, Michigan will be number one. So they won't get there. They could get to number two. They, I don't think, given that they're currently the only undefeated not inside the top four right now when they clearly should be, as I talked about earlier on the show, they're not going to be able to get to number one. Should they? They should probably be number two. They should probably be number two if they end the regular season undefeated. I don't know if they'll even get that high. Depends on what happens elsewhere. So biggest storylines in uh, every game. Storyline or storylines? Let's start with USC at Oregon. The Ducks are playing, as they are every week, for their college football playoff hopes. And Oregon also needs a big win because Oregon, to this point, they have a great win against Utah because it's a good team on the road that they beat by 29 points. The rest of their schedule isn't particularly tough. And so the reason they're the highest ranked one loss team is their margin of victory. And margin of victory matters to the committee. So Oregon as a 16 and a half point favorite right now on FanDuel needs to beat USC by a lot to continue to solidify their case as the highest ranked one loss team. USC. It's curious. It's, it's, it's really, really curious. 
I don't know what their motivation level is going to be. They still have a chance to get to the Pac-12 championship game. They, they, they can still do that. They have two losses in conference play. If they were to beat Oregon, actually, it would open a lot of different scenarios, but the path to getting to the Pac-12 title game would be readily available for them. It's right there for the taking. They'd have a head-to-head with Oregon. They have the head-to-head with Arizona. They wouldn't have the head-to-head with Utah, but the Utes have to play Arizona and Washington on the road. I think they're losing at least one of those games, and that would give them their third conference loss. So I'm curious to see USC's motivation level in that one. Utah at Washington. Utes are playing for their Pac-12 title hopes this week, right here, right now. Lose this game, not going to the Pac-12 title game. No three-peat. Not going to happen. No Surrey. Three-loss conference team. Nope. Won't happen. So if the Utes win this week, they keep their slim hopes of going to Las Vegas and winning three straight national championships alive. If they lose, they're done. Washington is looking for a good win against a top 20 team. They're favored by nine and a half points. I think they're probably going to cover that. If they win by two touchdowns, yeah, that'd be a really good look. You'd add, you'd pad the resume a little bit, maybe enough to leapfrog Florida State. Uh, at least they should be able to get that. Arizona at Colorado. The Wildcats are 10 and a half point favorites on the road against the bus who are fighting, scrapping, and clawing for bowl eligibility. I don't think they're going to get it because between Arizona and Utah, I don't think they're winning either of those games. They could beat Washington State because apparently anybody could beat Washington State right now. But the Wildcats are looking to justify everyone's confidence. They're inside the top 25 in the college football playoff rankings at number 21, as they should be. Congratulations, Wildcats. You've more than earned it. More than earned it. Wildcat fans have paid their dues in a big way over the last couple seasons. It's paying off right now. If they win this game, go to seven and three. If they were to win this game handily, or even just kind of the way Oregon State did, that would justify everyone's confidence because Arizona is starting to pop up on people's radar. Joel Klatt mentioned them on his podcast. You you watch college game day and Arizona against mentioned, oh, hey, that's a good team. Yes, yeah, because they are a good team. They are a good team with a bright future as a program right now. Washington State at Cal. Storyline here, who's making a bowl game? Because I got news for you. The loser is out. Cal is mathematically out of making a bowl game if they lose this one. It would be loss number seven. Washington State is basically out of making a bowl game because they are sitting at four and five. A loss would drop them to four and six, and they're not beating Washington. So really, both teams are sitting at six losses right now, in my view, and the loser goes to seven. Winner has a chance to make a bowl game. Not a guarantee, but will have a chance. The loser is out of it. Stakes for those programs, look, they're low, but it's going to be a fun football game. Stanford at Oregon State. Here's what we're going to look at going into this game. Are the Cardinal actually any good? I think they're going to get a reminder this week that they're not. I still think Troy Taylor's done a fantastic job this season and has a lot of promising aspects as a football coach and as a recruiter. I think we're going to find out this week, are the Cardinal any good or, or have they just been playing some, some bad teams and playing good football games there? And, uh, you know, Washington was dealing with the flu and everything like that. Oregon State at Research Stadium. There aren't a lot of matchups that you can have tougher than Oregon State at Research. That's a, t- that's a tough place to win. Only one team has won there in the last two seasons. And it was USC, and they should have lost. Lastly, Arizona State at UCLA. Last year, the Bruins started 6-0, ended the year 3-4 and down the stretch. 
Are they going to stumble again? They were 6-2 and two once upon a time, sitting at 6-3 and three after the loss to Arizona. How are they going to finish? My guess is probably 8-4. and four. Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? What's the quarterback situation? That's another one. Pretty low stakes. But if the Bruins get a big win, they could find themselves back inside the top 25 at 7-3. and three. It's possible. But unfortunately for UCLA, my concern about them from the offseason has come to fruition in a big way, and that's that they don't have good enough quarterback play. And I don't like going back and forth between this guy and that guy, and that's what they've been doing. Hasn't worked. Dante Moore will need an offseason. I think he'll end up being fine. I think he can end up being quite good, actually. He's just not ready right now to compete in what is the deepest conference in college football. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.